the name of God, the creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the 23rd chapter of the book of Jeremiah. For those of you who like to at least have some trivial fact that you picked up from the sermon, so you can say, at least I learned something today. Jeremiah is the second longest book in the Bible. The only one, other one that has more pages is the Psalter. And the length of the book of Jeremiah in many ways points to its importance. Jeremiah lived and wrote at a critical period in the history of the people of Israel. Some would say the most, most critical period. The book covers a span from the reforms of Josiah, which began in 622, through the exile, the Babylonian exile, which began in 597, and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 587 BCE. It was a time of great tragedy for the people of Israel. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet when he was young. He did not want the job. He did not want the job because he knew, he knew that it was going to be a very difficult undertaking, which it turned out to be. He was mocked, he was ridiculed. One of the kings even tried to kill him. But Jeremiah agreed to undertake the prophetic mission because he believed that God had called him. He believed that it was necessary, and he believed that God would sustain him. Jehoiakim began his much acclaimed reforms in 622 BCE. Jehoiakim was what we might call a religious reformer. He was very concerned that the people of Israel had strayed, had strayed from being the people that God had intended them to be. He called the people to once again hear and listen to the word of God. He called the people to again build a society in accordance with the law of God. He called the people to once again take very seriously what it meant to live by the precepts of the God of Israel, the God who had bought, brought them out of slavery and captivity in Egypt. However, Josiah was followed by two sons, 
The first, whose name was Jehoiakim, and the second, whose name was Jehoiachin, mean Old Testament teachers in seminary always ask you on exams to distinguish between the kingship of Joachim and Joachim. The one thing you can always write which is accurate is that they were corrupt. They were not interested in the well-being of the people of Israel. They were interested in their own well-being. They were interested in their own political power. They were interested in accumulating wealth and they could care less about the well-being of the people of Israel. In our lesson today, Jeremiah is addressing Joachim. And he says, you, the shepherds, ever since the time of David, kings of, kings of Israel had been referred to as shepherds. You have forsaken the covenant of David. You are more interested in your own wealth than in the well-being of the people. You do not care about righteousness and justice. You exploit the poor. You lie about your actions. And you are going to be overthrown. You are going to go into exile because there is a relationship, Jeremiah says, between political rule and justice in society. There is a relationship between what you do as a king and what happens in the society, and the society is going into exile in large part because of your corruption and your activities. Jeremiah had hardly gotten out of the palace when Jehoiakim was tweeting, we have to destroy this false prophet immediately. And he was taken and thrown into a cistern that was in mud up to his neck and left to die. But he was rescued. The kings under which Jeremiah lived did not respond to Jeremiah's prophetic word. They did not return to righteousness and justice. They continued to engage in political exploitation, economic exploitation. Economic exploitation, by the way, is the plumb line in the Bible for whether a society is living in accords with the justice of God. That's the measurement. They did not respond. And so in five, 597, 
the destruction of the society began. And the peoples went into exile. And even the temple by 587 had been destroyed. There is a price to be paid. There is a price to be paid for injustice and exploitation in the Bible. Today is the last Sunday in our liturgical year. It's the feast we call Christ the King. Now, this feast is a relatively new feast in our liturgical year. It was begun in 1925. That's new. It was begun in 1925, promulgated by an encyclica that was written by Pope Pius XI. Pope Pius suggested the establishment of the last Sunday in the Christian year to celebrate the feast of Christ the King. And very quickly, the whole ecumenical community in the West responded by saying, yes, we like this idea. And so Roman Catholics, Episcopalians, Lutherans, we all celebrate the feast of Christ the King, the last Sunday of the Christian year. What you might not realize is what Pope Pius XI said about the establishment of the feast. This is what he said. He said, I am establishing this feast as an instrument, a weapon, against the destructive political forces of our age. I am establishing this feast as a weapon against the destructive forces of our age. And in case you do not remember what was going on in 1925, when Pius XI made this statement, he was addressing the rise of fascism in Italy. He was addressing the formation of the Nazi party led by Adolf Hitler in Germany. And he was addressing what he called rampant materialism, which was very much alive in the roaring 20s in the United States. We need, he said, we need a feast day in which we become clear about our need to stand over against those destructive forces. And so today we celebrate the feast of Christ the King. Our gospel reading is from, the, is from Luke's gospel and it is the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus was arrested. He was scoffed at. He was mocked. And then he was put to death as a criminal. He entered completely into the world of the crucified. 
those who die before their time, usually horrible deaths. One of the ways in which Jesus was mocked was that an inscription was placed over his head. In many artistic works, you see the Latin abbreviations, I-N-R-I, means King of the Jews. The inscription was written King of the Jews over his head. This dying, crucified one king. It is interesting that Luke sees Jesus as a king who is reigning from the crucified world on a tree. Luke sees Jesus as one who is subverting the symbol of kingship. If you want to know, if you want to know what King Jesus looks like, you have to go to Calvary. You have to go to the cross. You have to see him among dying criminals. There you'll see him. There you will see the one who reigns as king who has no army who has no territory that he has conquered. He seeks no power. Three times he is mocked saying, if you, are, if you are really somebody, God's son, save yourself. He doesn't. He dies. He enters completely into that world. But Luke says it is from here that he reigns. And if we want to know, if we want to know what it means to be a follower of King Jesus, if you want to know why Pius XI said he wanted this feast to stand over against materialism, Nazism, and fascism, if you want to know, look here. Look at Calvary. Look here and see King Jesus. The great French sociologist and theologian of the last century, Jacques Ellou, best known perhaps for his critique of the technological society, Ellou was one of the first critics who said technology will not bring us together, it will divide us. He said, we think that we are going to have all this leisure time. No, we will work all the time. <laughs> we will never stop checking our emails. We will never leave the office. We will become isolated. We will walk around with things in front of our face all the time so we don't even see other people. But Alou, as a theologian, pointed out something we often forget. Alou says that in the temptations of Jesus, the second temptation, the devil says to Jesus, 
Look at the political world. If you worship me, I'll give it to you because it all belongs to me. <laughs> it all belongs to me. All political power, all political glory, all political prestige is mine. And if you worship me, I will give it to you. Jesus refused. Lou said, in the world in which we live, people enter politics because they have the will to power. Certainly that was true of Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin. Certainly it was true of Mussolini. Certainly it was true of Hitler. And if we watch our televisions at all in our own age, we know that political corruption is alive and well. The Feast of Christ the King calls us to subvert those powers that seek to tell us that greed is a virtue, that seek to tell us you only can really rule effectively through violence, that seek to tell us that it is only the rich who really matter, that seek to tell us the way you build a better society is to give more to the rich and take from the poor. To follow King Jesus means that you enter the community that bears his name and that you work to make sure that that community subverts the political forces of your age. You work to see that King Jesus, the one who God raised up, as Jeremiah said, a king would be raised up to execute righteousness and judgment reigns. In the Bible, Societies that practice justice and righteousness do better than those that exploit. Those that exploit often go into exile in one form or another. We live in a society which knows a great deal about economic exploitation. We live in a society, we live in a society that knows a great deal about destroying the earth simply for our own greed. We live in a society in which we are willing to sacrifice our children on the altar of violence. We live in a society, we live in a society that asks us again and again to give our allegiance 
to anything but King Jesus. Today, today we are called to recommit. Today we are called to recommit and say our primary allegiance is not to our country, our family, our political parties. Our, our primary allegiance is to the good king that God raised up. And that we, like Jeremiah, are willing to speak in the name of that good king to denounce any rulers who engage in exploitation and to make clear that our values are the values of the crucified one who gave his life that we might have life and have it abundantly. Let there be peace among us and let us never be instruments of our own or anyone else's oppression. Amen.